Hey guys, George Mesa here, Third Eye Edify Podcast. And today, I'd like to start with a question, as I often do. What is time? How do you perceive time? Are we passing through it eternally? Probably. Who is trying to tell us what time is? How often do you think to yourself, it doesn't feel like 6 o'clock. It doesn't feel like 3.30 a.m. or p.m. And why do we go through 12 twice? All kinds of questions can come from this. But what my focus is going to be on today, and the reason for this episode, the impetus for me to even do it, is because I heard that daylight savings time in the U.S., it's going to be, well, let's just say abolished. And maybe it's all for the better, because what is it exactly? We'll get into that. But maybe we can start with how that came to be and who who was behind it, who was responsible for it. How old is the concept? I thought to myself, there's no way it's that old, because farmers, anyone, before clocks, before schedules of a um, you know intercontinental or international nature I assume was using the sky woke up with the sun and maybe went to sleep a little bit after the sun went down or what something along those lines you needed sunlight to do what you had to do sun, sunlight or daylight daylight being when the sun is not directly giving you light but you still have light as if the sun was on the other side of your house let's say you still get daylight it's just something I thought I would clarify just in case there was a question about that. But it goes pretty far back, and not surprisingly, it goes back to the earlier days of this country, the United States, 1784, and good old Benjamin Franklin. Who else? Polymath extraordinaire. And, of course, as we often find out, and I'll, I'll show a quick photo about it here. As we often find out, a Freemason. And here he is pictured with George Washington outside of the Masonic Temple that he was the Grand Master of in Philadelphia. So just in case there were any questions about that, he certainly was a Freemason, and it does not make him an evil person. It just so happens that very often Freemasons do get to govern things like what is time? When you look up definitions for this word, there are countless definitions. It's just like in music with the definition for the word rhythm, which is not only weird to spell, but it's a humongous conversation just to discuss what it is, how it works, and what it means to you. It could really mean something quite different to you than to somebody else. Rhythm, I'm talking about. Time, everyone has a clear idea of what it is. Once you start discussing it, it's a 20-hour conversation. And I'll get to the true definition of time in just a little bit. You know, the true definition, Google, let's just call it. Um, but for now, let's continue with this little daylight savings thing. What did Benjamin Franklin have to say about it? What, what was the reason? The reason seems reasonable. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Uh, in 1784, imagine how many candles could be saved if people awakened earlier. There's something to mention here. And it's come up before in mine and many other podcasts. 
what is the, the why is there such a marketing campaign we'll call it against dark dark versus light there is good and bad in the world there is also dark and light and nighttime doesn't necessarily mean evil time it's not glorious happy time and evil time we have daytime and we have nighttime we have the sun and the moon there's two sides to everything there's two parts to every scale hermetically or otherwise and alchemically I would say that daylight savings time is the complete opposite it goes against nature it goes against you even bothering to look up really when certain people do certain things as far as planting and looking for certain herbs bamboo all kinds of other things there are very specific times whether it's the moon cycle or the sun cycle parts of the year certain constellations certain stars they pick their crops at certain very particular times they plant their crops at very particular times it's not just springtime throw your seeds down it's a it's an extremely particular art and it's not based on knowing what 3:35 p.m. is at your local time and of course there's those time zones to worry about too and I'll I'll probably show a little picture about that too so benjamin franklin's idea was we could conserve things like candles things like oil matches perhaps however they made their fire fine a fine reason wake up earlier go to sleep with less nighttime during your waking hours sleep more when the moon is out got it but then he whimsically suggested firing off cannons at each square at dawn to wake the sluggards effectively and make them open their eyes to see their true interests it's a it's a noble idea the more awake time you have the more you can get done in a day the earlier you rise the more you get done when I personally went to the gym very early in the morning I'm not exactly going to the gym right now but when I was going when in the morning I was worried that I was gonna be too tired for work too tired for anything and I had more energy during that day than than I ever had when I wasn't going to the gym so early to rise early bird gets the worm that kind of thing I see it I see something else as well I see eugenics is what I see and whether anybody wants to admit it or not a lot of people don't there was a heavy hand of eugenics in this country and there was tons of eugenics going on I wouldn't want to say all over the world but it's a big part of the powers that should not be to make sure that their line their genetic lines make it and yours don't and calling somebody a sluggard sending out a general term that there are sluggards might make people that aren't feel that way a lot of people felt inferior in the in the eyes of uh, this man or just the idea that he accomplished so much how could I ever catch up that kind of thing so think about that um you know he Benjamin Franklin also advocated for paper money how good is that doing for us not very good places like the Royal Society and world banks that pop up after that central banks if they were so against central banks the founding fathers why were they advocating for paper money there has to be something else there has to be a, another way anyway small rant but Benjamin Franklin is notated when during my research as the first person to mention the idea of daylight savings time now I'm sure we've all heard that it was a farmer's idea I'm gonna do my best to dispel that in just a moment but there were one or two other people that actually tried to get this thing going um, 1895 in New Zealand 
George Vernon Hudson. He proposed the idea, and they didn't adopt it until 1927, you know, 32 uh, years later, after the war that caused the initial timing of this uh, daylight savings time thing. 1905, William Willett wrote a little pamphlet called The Waste of Daylight. It introduced a bill, and he died before the bill ever really had a chance to pass, or as far as I know, even get considered. It was an interesting read, though. I don't think it was uh, amazingly well-written or anything, but it's a short read, and people were thinking about it. The idea was there. So who actually brought this thing into effect, and why? Again, it wasn't farmers. Uh, May 1st, 1916. World War I, Kaiser Wilhelm, Germany. It was his idea. It was his idea to change the time regardless of what was going on in the sky because it would help the troops be more prepared or at least be more aware and ready to strike or to defend themselves, in that case, during the daylight hours, conserved energy. Save, on again, on things like lighting, uh, you know, maybe even food going to sleep earlier I'm not sure um, this it's an interesting thing that it came out of war and then Britain some of Europe United States actually we hit it in March 31st 1918 after we had we had ended the war as it says but uh, how long did it take for the farmers to hate this idea only one year 1919 farmers started to not necessarily uh, want to play ball with this idea do farmers have to worry about daylight savings time? They have to worry about it ruining their schedules. Yeah. It's not something that they work with. They work with the sky. They work with their animals. Roosters have been associated with something of a holy nature, a spiritually very high nature, even a god, because they rise with the sun, and they tell you when it's happening. They're completely attached to the sunrise, which has always been worshipped. So that's something to think about. When you see roosters in all kinds of cathedrals, temples, they're representing something much higher than the animal itself. So take a look at this. Why am I showing this now? Here's Uncle Sam getting ready to tell you about the great new daylight savings bill. Get your hoe ready. This is 100% how propaganda works. They are trying to show that farmers are not only taking part and happy to do it, but they are benefiting from it in some way absolutely not the case and uh, I came across this little uh, picture here which I thought was great daylight savings time unfair we lose one hour of play um, this came from the farming ideas actually because what was happening is that people were showing up to work an hour later but then they were going to they were leaving at the at the same time they used to. So they're working for one hour less. Oh, sorry about that. Didn't mean to pull it up yet. But just to get an idea that all these time zones do exist, um, they're not straight up based on longitudinal, longitudinal lines. So I just wanted to make that really clear that even though it seems like we just have these nice cushy subdivisions of time in our time zones, um, we don't. It's good to remind ourselves of that. I didn't necessarily mean to pull that up right away, but there it is. So, where did this where did this take us? What happens with daylight savings time? Do does everyone use it? No, definitely not. 
anyone that's listening outside of the United States right now, anyone watching, I think you may be part of that group of people that doesn't do this. The United States is almost totally on board. Arizona doesn't do it. Hawaii doesn't do it. And pretty much the rest of the continental United States definitely does do it. But if you if you live next to Arizona, you do it. If you go to Arizona, they don't. So the time changes even more radically, I guess, when you cross that border. Interesting little tidbit for sure. And um, 80% of the world's population does not use it. And less than 40% of all countries don't use it. So now that word propaganda kind of comes to mind again. What is time? Are we playing with it? It's against nature, in my opinion. It's my opinion, but it's against our nature. Babies don't know that it's 6 a.m. when they wake you up. They're going when the sunlight hits the window. It doesn't matter what time of year it is. It doesn't matter if they took a nap or not. <laughs> but cows, chickens, roosters, that when you have a farm, you're not going based on these things. But when the time changes, you've still milked your cow at the time you've milked them, just like you would have regardless of daylight savings time. Now your customers still come, but they might come at a different time, a later time, or maybe the delivery person looking to pick it up. Everything's affected because of it in a negative way. So I'm doing my best to dispel that farmers did not start and do not advocate for this. And that should be a really good hint for us to not do it either. Now, of course, like I said earlier, the United States is looking to get rid of it. We shouldn't all be jumping for joy and rejoicing. This is just like when everything calmed down after the whole nonsense we went through in the past two, two and a half years. It's not over. And on top of that, it's not like, oh, see, it's over now. They said so. Isn't that great? No, it's not great. Look at what happened. Same thing with this. It's, it's another level of indoctrination. It's another way to keep you away from the natural world. That's my main point here. So daylight savings time, no, I don't agree with it either. And um, I guess a good thing to ask now is, how did we tell time? Do our bodies tell time? If everything, sun, moon, and world are all within ourselves, as they say, does that mean that we also have the ability to tell time? Before I get into the nitty-gritty of it, I personally haven't used an alarm clock in a very long time. I know my dad didn't do it either, and I know a lot of other people that don't do it. There is a natural, rhythmic, cyclic clock of sorts inside of you. And it works if you let it. You can wake up at the same exact time every day. When I used to use an alarm clock, I used to spring sometimes right out of bed, minute before the alarm clock was about to go off, sometimes 10 seconds before. And it wasn't because there was some extra noise. It was a digital, you know, Sony stereo that I used to use. And it didn't make any sound until the moment of. And 95% of the time I woke up right before it went off. It wasn't that I got up, you know, in a in a stupor half hour earlier for whatever reason, loud noise outside. I used to have a woodpecker hitting the side, side of my room. It had nothing to do with that. I had something called circadian rhythm. And we all do. 
I'm going to show a little image of that real quick. What is circadian rhythm? And how does it work for us? Let me pull this up really quick, just so you can see what I'm talking about here. Take a picture of it, zoom in if you'd like. But uh, some of the most important things are that your body does certain things at certain times of the day. And I mention children because they tend to be more in touch with their natural existence than a lot of adults. There's a million reasons for that, and we're not here to discuss that right now. Kids get tired. It doesn't seem like they're going to, but they get tired. They usually get tired at the same time. That's because of this. This is the natural cycle that our bodies are, I'm not going to say require, but if adhered to at a relatively strict level, the chances of you being a healthier, more aware, awake, productive person are very, very, very good. And daylight savings, I dare say, completely eradicates and ruins anything to do with the circadian rhythm. Now, maybe I'm being just a little, little extreme about this, but it gets in the way, and it's something to think about. If you weren't aware of that or hadn't heard of it, I highly suggest continuing to look into it. It's a very interesting topic, and just thinking about it might actually help you adhere to it, because your body is already doing it. Something to think about. Something to think about out there. And um, again, back to the question, how else, other than our natural body's rhythms, how did we used to tell time? I think the most obvious thing to mention here is the sun and the moon. And the stars as well. The planets, if you were that deep into it. But what better way to tell time? You know when it's morning. You know when it's afternoon. High noon, whatever you want to call it. You know when it's dusk. You know when it's nighttime. You probably know when it's midnight. And it's hard to be like, moon's going to be right there tomorrow. But if you follow it every day or almost every day, you'll have a really good idea. At around 7 o'clock, moon hits my window. Suddenly, a few months later, oh, and it's not even there anymore at that time. Now it's over there. You can follow these celestial bodies. And um, you can use them to tell time. Again, like I said earlier, do you need to know what... 335.06 seconds is is there a way to tell is there a genuine need for it it can get really 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 close but the sky is really the answer so what did we use what what methods did we have i can hear some of you saying it perhaps already or maybe you've been saying it saying it into the screen sundials there are moon dials too by the way and there are lots of variations of this. I'm going with some pretty traditional, maybe ancient ideas of sundials. How does it work? And what exactly does it do for us? It's not going to tell you everything that's going on for the entire 24-hour period. But here is what is said to be a very ancient, possibly the very first type of sundial from Egypt. You can see the space in that hole where we get the part that gives us our shadow. And this is called a gnomon. G-N-O-M-O-N. The idea of a gnomon will come into play in a little bit when I push this analysis into a very different uh, 
place. So here is another one, another ancient sundial. Here's another one. And for our demonstration for the moment, here's one more. Maybe not as ancient on this one. So why am I showing us these? These specific ones, by the way, they resemble something to me. And I'm not talking about what they're supposed to do. I'm talking about the way they actually look. They resemble an oyster shell or a scallop shell, which are very similar. They both produce pearls, by the way, and that will definitely come into play in a little bit. Remember this. Keep these images in your mind and remember that scallops and oysters can have pearls in their shells. It's far more rare to have it in a scallop, by the way. Um, and here is a good side shot of a very typical gnomon. It's not just a straight line or just a stick placed into it. It has a very specific angle to it. It's not a vertical up and down thing. This helps with the different angles of the sun depending on the northern southern hemisphere and other things that aren't necessarily needed to flesh out right now. Um, keep in mind that there are a lot of other ways for this to happen. Take a look at this for example. This is in Long Island City, New York, and this is the Citibank Tower and there is a group of people that follow the shadows that it causes, and it actually acts like a sundial. Anything can really be a sundial if it looks like this. So keep that in mind. In that example, the Citibank Tower is just a straight-up tower. It resembles something like an obelisk. And I want to show you this because I wanted to show you what the origins of an obelisk are, by the way. They have a lot to do with the sun. Yes, they are a reference to a very phallic thing it, it's definitely a male thing but look at this image here i'm sure you've all seen something like this in your life hopefully <laughs> and this image of the sun's the sunset's reflection on the water this is what an obelisk represents a little bigger at the base smaller as it rises its way to the sun at the top it is a phallic thing. It's supposed to look like that. This is also the exact reference of the parting of the Red Sea. This is the Red Sea. Yes, there is a Red Sea on your map in the world. But this is officially the parting of the Red Sea. A lot of things in those books mean way more than one thing. And I want you to keep that in mind because I'm doing my best to connect a bunch of different, different things coming up now. So, how do we tell time? What, what, again, what is it? Do we have to mathematically allocate what it is? Again, maybe because of things like international and intercontinental travel, commerce, whatever you want to call it. I'm going to read the definition of time that I found that seemed to be the most accurate slash interesting. There's a lot of them. If you go look up time, you'll find a lot of definitions, I assure you. But here is the one that I found. It was right on Wiki. I looked at a bunch of my other dictionaries and stuff, old and new, and they're all very similar. But check this out. Time is the continued sequence of existence and events 
that occurs in an apparently irreversible succession from the past through the present into the future. Apparently irreversible. That word apparent is going to come up a few times in the rest of the show. It is a component quantity of various measurements used to sequence events, to compare the duration of events or the intervals between them, and to quantify rates of change of quantities in material reality or in the conscious experience. Hold that thought. Time is often referred to as a fourth dimension, along with the three spatial dimensions. This is the Cartesian coordinate system, X, Y, Z, for example. And that's uh, a pretty long definition and a pretty convoluted one, I'd say. Wiki also mentions, by the way, that the physical nature of time is addressed by general relativity with respect to events in space-time. If that means the sun, moon, and stars can dictate time, I agree with that. To mention this special, um, you know, theory of general relativity from Einstein, drop your heroes, as I've said in the past, I'm not vibing with that at all. And I think it's a very unnecessary way to kind of measure and discuss what they're talking about here. The idea of relativity means that if you're far away enough and you both holding something and one of you pulls it, the other person won't feel it right away. I don't know. I'm leaning towards no on that one. I'm sorry. So one more from Oxford 2001 Dictionary. The continuing and limitless progress of existence and events in the past, present, and future. That sums up the big one that I just read. And I wanted to read it so you could perhaps go read a few more yourself. How many definitions of time are there? There are a lot. And the hardest part is it's now. It just happened. I'm recording it. I'm going to send you my time by putting this video on on the internet. It's pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. Did I say crazy? <laughs> crazy hunting rabbits. But um, what about a definition for a sundial? Because I think this might take us pretty far into where I'm about to go. So Wiki says an orological device that tells the time of day, referred to as civil time in modern usage. We'll, we'll discuss civil time. When direct sunlight shines by the apparent position of the sun in the sky. Again, they want you to think that what you see is merely apparent and not really what's happening. Therefore, you need them to tell you what time it is. And there's time zones and there's daylight savings time if you live in a certain part of the world. It's a law. Daylight saving time is a, is a law. It's not it's not a thing that everyone agrees on. It's something that has, is forced on you, which I don't like, in case you didn't notice. So what is civil time? What are they trying to say? I think this is more of a peasant, rich person kind of thing. Something along the lines of, oh, yeah, well, you have that, you're worried about your sundial. Yeah, that's, that's civil time. I don't really think that's right. It's not going to be accurate to the second. It doesn't work that way. But what is civil time? Standard time in a time zone at a fixed offset from coordinated universal time, which we will definitely discuss in a moment. Coordinated universal time is UTC. I know that the acronym doesn't match, but just roll with it. Possibly adjusted by daylight savings time. UTC is calculated by reference to atomic clocks and was adopted in 1972. So 
UTC. There's a ton of other ones. I'll talk about them in a second. But remember this. You may have all heard of Greenwich Mean Time. Greenwich. Sounds like a good thing, actually. Um, it has replaced Greenwich Mean Time. I didn't know that. I'm not sure if any of you did. Leave a comment if you have or haven't. I'm very curious. And um, I did come across one or two other ideas of time, by the way, before I move on to these very large amount of ways to designate time officially throughout the world. There is... Time is a very large amount of definitions. And it's a musical thing, too. You can play in time. You can have good time. You can have bad time, musically. You can have a bad time at a party. You can have a... You can have a good time as a memory as well. There's also... You can have a... A dead time, which I had never heard of, actually. It I found that from the Black's Law Dictionary. It's more of a law contract kind of thing. I think the example given was if a, if a convict escaped for three days and they found him and they brought him back. And I think it was three days, by the way. Um, those three days would be dead time. In other words, time that did not go towards his sentence. So almost that time gets eradicated, I guess. It's really <laughs> how to look at that. So let's get back to this coordinated universal time now. Because like I said, it replaces Greenwich Mean Time. And again, I did not know that. I absolutely did not know that. Um, universal time, UT, the general designation of time scales based on the rotation of the Earth. So no time without rotation? Seems like a weak argument to me. Let's move on. There's a few kinds. UT0, UT1, UT2. Solar mean time, prime meridian obtained from direct astronomical observation. That's UT0. Direct astronomical observation. I'd go with astrological instead, but whatever. Um, then UT1 is UT0 corrected for polar variation. And then UT2 is UT1 corrected for small seasonal fluctuation and rotation. I'm spitting it all out. So you can see, I'm going to leave a link to the PDF that I found that has all of this stuff because I think it's worth your time. I really do I think it's worth your time to check this out. Um, there's actually a number of frequencies that get used to broadcast these things amongst each other. So that way, I think that's exactly how it all works as far as your TV and your phone being completely aligned as far as the seconds and the minutes. There, there's frequencies that get designated to send these bits of information somewhere in the 20 kilohertz plus or minus 0.5 kilohertz range. So perhaps radios, like as in radio stations, movie, TV stations, um, streaming, maybe they don't use those. These are frequencies that are designated for this time. So there's a lot of work that goes into time, by the way. There's the International Maritime Organization, International Aviation Organization, General Conference of Weights and Measures, Bureau of International Depoy et Measures, I think it's the same thing in France, International Earth Rotation Service. Might have to have a, a little tidbit of an episode on that one, perhaps. And the Concerned Unions of the International Council of Scientific Unions. So, plenty more, by the way. These are the factions that designate and hold what is supposed to be time. And once again, I'm not saying this is a worthless endeavor, but they're taking us away from what we can feel and naturally do. And that's what I'm interested in here. So 
there are several other ways that time is designated, but the UTC is the one that we all use, is the one that at least here in the West, I don't know what it's like if you're in somewhere else, please let me know if you, if you know differently. There's the TAI, International Atomic Time. I guess this is an atomic clock based on the second as realized on the rotating geoid. So what's a geoid? Let me show you that. Check this out. This here is a geoid. You may have seen this before. It's essentially the Earth without its water. And this is what it would look like. Certainly not a perfect circle by any means. I have questions. But I'm not going to ask them now. I wanted you to see it. Just to get the idea that certain times are actually not designated by the oblate spheroid that is apparently a little chubbier in the southern hemisphere as uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson said a little too many muffins I think it was his joke not funny but um, Julian days and Gregorian calendars go on this too by the way so there's the coordinated universal time since 1963 like I said replacing now Greenwich Mean Time there's the DUT one, which is UT1 minus UTC, no big deal. GMT, of course, which is from the Royal Observatory. That is Greenwich Mean Time. And um, they say that it's not 100% accurate, which is why they claim that they need to use UTC now. Greenwich Mean Time, noon is rarely when the sun crosses the Greenwich Meridian. So Greenwich Mean Time was never correct either? I find that to be very interesting. I thought it was the de facto standard. And DST, of course, is daylight savings time. So, again, I thought it was the de facto standard. Perhaps I was wrong. Does it matter? I'm not calling them out like, aha, you, you guys suck at your job. I'm not even going there. What I'm saying is, what? why are we doing this? If it wasn't accurate to begin with, don't take us away from nature. We're being pulled away from nature in every single direction. And, it's, and they're not done yet. That's for damn sure. So all of this brought me to a very interesting conclusion in the world of art. And maybe it's a coincidence that my previous episode took place at an incredible artist's home that he created on a mountain by the Hudson River. Maybe it brought me to this. I don't know. But perhaps you've... Well, I'm going to assume that almost 100% of my audience has seen this. This is Sandro Botticelli's Birth of Venus, or Il Nascita di Venere. Venere being Venus, of course, or Aphrodite, and Venere being venereal disease, by the way. So keep that in mind. And um, the first well-recorded syphilis outbreak was 1494. This was done somewhere between 1483 and 1485. It's a small coincidence, but I'm done taking coincidences as coincidence. So this painting was popular in its time, but it got more popular over time. But um, Venus is obviously quite the popular figure in mythology. It's a planet that everyone seems to know very well. And I didn't know, actually, until this research that, that were, that's where Venereal came from. Now, she is the goddess of love and other things. So for the 
sexually transmitted disease to come from that name. It's almost a bastardization in my mind, but it's not really the end of the world, obviously. Another interesting correlation I didn't know about is that this is on canvas, and that was not necessarily popular, particularly not in the sacred world. In the secular world, this is being claimed to be a secular painting. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that, but hopefully you're already seeing some of the things I'm going to mention just by looking at this painting. Um, canvas, the root of that word is cannabis from Greek. I did not know that. It was made from hemp initially, possibly not a lot anymore, but it was made from hemp and canvas the root is cannabis, and they sound very similar if you say it that way. So I hope that I edified somebody there, because I definitely did not know that. And I found it very interesting. Um, one thing I want to get out of the way, too, terminology-wise, is that Venus is in a very particular stance here. She's not 100% vertical at all. And she's actually in a pose called the Venus Pudica. Her right hand is covering her breasts. Her left hand is covering her genitalia. And this isn't necessarily meant to completely obstruct the viewer from seeing it, but it does bring your eyes to it. It does bring your attention to it, even though it's not 100% visible. And even though she's covering her genitals completely, her hair is there. There's something of the imagination that, that can run with that for sure. So the first thing I want to mention is, I hope very obvious now, is this time? Can you capture time in a painting? Can something motionless actually have time in it? Can it convey time? The short answer is, I definitely think so. And I'll go into some small details in a moment. But the thing I'm really the most interested in is that she's inside of a scallop shell. I actually thought it was an oyster shell, but it is a scallop shell. And like I said, they both make pearls. Why am I mentioning these pearls? Because we were just discussing some sexual ideas. Venereal disease, love. And... The pearl is one of the ways that people would assume, for the most part, or expect or worship God. They thought the pearls were God's semen contained within these shells. And now here is a woman, who is not a baby, standing on top of this shell. I want to make the argument that this is very clearly resembling a sundial. I think the oyster shell looks a lot like these sundials. I'm sorry, the scallop shell. And since she's not straight vertical, yes, it looks like she's coming ashore. She's at that liminal space. She's about to hit the shoreline. But those gnomons that I mentioned, the part that casts the shadow on the sundial, they're not vertical either. They stand vertical, but they don't have a completely 100% vertical shape like an obelisk. So I really do see a sundial here. No, there's no shadow. That can mean a lot of things. But the ground seems quite barren. And maybe we'll mention that as being a potential shadow. But there were other ways that the ancients um, worshipped the ideas of birth, resurrection, fertility. 
there's the scallops and the oysters. There's the Amanita muscaria mushroom, which is different from the psilocybin mushroom that people usually take to AKA trip out, whatever you want to call it. The Amanita muscaria mushroom actually, once it goes back into the ground, once it lives its life, it's not a very long life for any mushroom, I imagine, it is born of its own ashes, much like the phoenix. This is the idea of resurrection. So that mushroom has been worshipped for a lot of reasons, aside from its psychotropic uh, effects that you get when you take it. The ultimate entheogen, I heard it being called. Um, beetles, same thing. The dung beetles would carry their payload, and you've seen them do it. It's quite, it's almost comical. And then suddenly a beetle would pop out of this ball of dung as if to be born from its own, again, from its own demise, much like the phoenix. I thought I would mention those few things that are interesting little tidbits into how people used to worship these ideas of resurrection and fertility. So I've already mentioned what I think represents the time of the sundial here, the way she resembles a gnomon, not perfectly vertical, the way she's inside of what could easily be resembling a sundial. So what's happening here? We have Zephyr on the left, and he and the woman that is embracing him in an almost convoluted positioning is also letting out breath. They're blowing her to shore. It's almost like the March winds bringing spring. Because the shoreline is strangely missing a lot of the things you'd expect. What it has that you wouldn't expect are these reeds. If they are in Cyprus, like we're expecting, these reeds wouldn't belong in this scene. But these are potentially, and I would say not potentially, but definitely a phallic reference. And she was born of the sea foam from the, the genitals of Uranus, severed and thrown into the sea. This could easily be representing that. Just an observation. Now, as she's making her way to the shore, and again, I am claiming that time is being shown here. We are actually shown time, and not just because of a potential sundial. She's on her way to the shore. It looks like she's stepping off, perhaps. The shoreline doesn't have much. It's pretty barren. It's as if she is bringing the fertility of spring. This also represents time. What else represents time here? Who is this? This is one of the three Hori. And much like a sundial is an orological device, Horus, by the way, this is an Egyptian name being used here. She represents time. And there were three of these. And they would represent the, the seasons. There were only three seasons. There was this idea of fall being either like a pre-winter or a post-summer. So we had three seasons. She is clearly representing spring as well, welcoming her to the shoreline. So think about all those things. I'm not even going into how this was painted or anything like that. I'm just giving you some tidbits as far as what I think 
I see here. Because this represents time. Much more than any daylight savings time law or any UTC or all that jargon I spit out before. I usually don't read definition after definition on the episodes here. But I wanted you to see how much is going into this if you haven't already checked it out yourself. And now with daylight saving time going away on the horizon, there's another Horace word for you, it's, it's, it interests me very much. And it's upsetting. Why have we even been dealing with this if many, many, many other parts of the world absolutely don't based on natural, obvious things? What was this paint, painting trying to convey? It could have just been a secular painting like they said. I came across something that said, most art historians agree. It does not require any complex analysis. Stay away from it. Don't even bother looking, right? Was the sundial worshipped? The sun is worshipped. Why wouldn't the sundial be something to represent another part of the natural world, the scallop shell, let's say? Looking at a piece of art like this, you can find a ton of information on it. This is one of the most popular art pieces of all time. But I've never heard this whole sundial thing. And the rest of the stuff, I got tidbits here and there, but... Again, I hope this was interesting to see the painting in this light after this long discussion about daylight savings time, time in general. Where did this all come from? How do you perceive time? Do you use clocks? We have the, I know you've got a phone. We all have that. The time is there. But test yourself. Go a day without looking at the time. See if you can tell yourself what time it is. I bet you used to do it as a kid because I certainly did. I would always test myself. It's 422. And um, as I definitely avoid 420. And you can do it. You can wake up without an alarm clock. Your body has a mechanism to match itself with the rhythm of nature. We don't need a clock to tell us when to start your day. Especially if you do something in agriculture. But a lot of people... The powers that should not be, they think you should. That was the main reason for me doing this. And I hope you enjoyed it. There's plenty more where that came from on this show. Interviews, podcasts, maybe some news here and there, and a whole lot more. Thank you so much, and I'll see you guys real soon.